We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And a pleasant good afternoon to everyone out there in Irish Breakdown land. I am Vince Tadario, and I am the football analyst here at IrishBreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is Brian Driscoll. He is the publisher at IrishBreakdown.com. And uh, we are going to talk today a little bit about uh, the Brian Kelly press conference that just uh, concluded well. And then yeah. uh, <laughs> it's like, mm. yeah, it, it got a little off track <laughs> let's just say that um, yeah. <laughs> off message yeah uh, but uh so we're going to talk about some of the things that he brought up and then we're going to talk about uh you know college football and yeah. uh and, and kind of how things went down over the weekend dive into that a little bit more than we did last night during the uh, uh upon further review podcast so let's start with the i, I mean you can call it you know, breaking news if you want. Uh, yeah, it's not I really think, breaking. It's just, yeah. it's a confirmation. Look, Brian Kelly talking about Kyle <clears throat> Hamilton. Now, after several weeks, is saying it's a six-week injury, which sounds completely different than the message he gave us last week. Where it was well, like, it's completely different know, than the original message. Was that it's, it, it's been a deal. different message yeah. every week. And right. basically what he said today, Kyle Hamilton is not playing the regular season, which – was funny is before the press conference, I was going to be like, I'll bet you Kyle Hamilton. And this is what I've heard from a couple people. That is Kyle's going to not play the regular season and he's not going to be cleared. And uh, if they make the playoff, he'll play in the playoff. If they don't make the playoff, he's done. He's not going to play in Notre Dame anymore. So if they don't make the playoff, I don't think you're ever going to see Kyle Hamilton in Notre Dame uniform. I don't care to comment on on that. It is what it is. My opinion of it is irrelevant because it's not going to change anything. So Kyle Hamilton uh, is not going to play the rest of the regular season, according to Brian Kelly. So we're going to get a glimpse into the future. So, you know, it is what it is. I don't think it's necessarily – I'll say this, and the only thing I'm going to say about this, I don't think this is a situation that Kyle Hamilton doesn't want to play anymore, and I'll just leave it at that. Right. And all, there's a lot of other things that go into it, injury related and future related and, you know, all those type of things. So uh, and he did obviously talk a lot about the safety position 
the depth chart is out today. Ramon Henderson is listed as a backup cornerback on the depth chart. That's it's the exact what we same published. depth chart. Yeah, it is exact. I mean, literally, <laughs> yes. it's the exact same depth chart as last week. It's a cut and paste. And so, but Brian yeah. Kelly did say in the press conference that they are going to keep Ramon at safety. That's what he said today, which I think is. I was happy to hear that. I was concerned that they kind of move him back the corner, and you know. But he's now a safety, from what Brian Kelly said, the nickel okay. safety kind of player. So, uh, and he talked about talked about just how comfortable he was and his length, and yeah, you know, I, I think that's one of the things that really because Ramon's not necessarily a natural football player, he's so long that I think that really held him back a corner because he just couldn't right. get the you know I think where Cam Hart's more of a natural football player, it's easier for him to kind of learn the technique and flipping his hips because Cam played a lot of corner in high school, you know? And so with Ramon, I just feel like he was always sort of a track guy playing football. Well, playing safety, it's more about open and run. It's not so much about pedal, 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 flip. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's downhill. It's open. It's less it's technique. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, it, it, there is, there, yeah. it's a, I would, I would, I would not agree with that. <laughs> it's different technique. Okay. I think technique is very important at safety. I do in college, maybe not at safety, but in, in high school, but in college it is. It's just a different type of technique that I think more fits his skill set and and length and just that he's not a natural football player. So that was good to hear, Vince, that he's going to because now all of a sudden, you know, f- three weeks, four, about a month ago, I'm looking at the safety depth chart next year and I'm like, oh. <laughs> This well, ain't we, good. We had talked about Clarence Lewis potentially moving to safety. And I Ramon Henderson might popping, do you think that's still a thing? I still think it might be a thing because I think okay. they want to have three safeties. It just is going to depend on who steps up a corner this offseason. That's going to be the big thing. Right. So, I, I uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But yeah, no I doubt. feel a lot better about the safety position now with him. With Again, now Ramon's got to build on what he did Saturday. Of course. But, look, he's a 6'1 and a half, 6'2" fast kid you've got xavier watts back there now all of a sudden a, a month ago we weren't talking about Xavier, you know necessarily xavier it's maybe been a little bit over a month ago i guess xavier's moved but we were talking and about him as a rover not right as a safety which for a never while, made too. sense but yeah. now you've got him now you've got you've got uh ramon henderson now it's like okay there might be a chance there might be a chance now and that's a that's so a very positive a sign right. very positive sign very good, very good. So that's the Kyle Hamilton news. Yeah, right. Um, then we talked about Ramon Henderson. Any mm-hmm. other tidbits you want to get to? Yeah, from- there were several. Okay. So I want to talk a, a couple things. Number one, we'll get that. We'll do Georgia Tech last. Yep. But uh, you know, Coach Kelly did talk about the senior class and the fifth, especially the fifth year senior class, because you know what we we've talked about it before, but not often. There's a lot of a lot of players that are part of this team that signed with or committed to Notre Dame either before the 2016 season, during the 2016 season, or after the 2016 season, before they went out and proved they were a better team in 2017. I mean, the entire 2017 class, Avery Davis is part of that. You know, you look at um, Bo, uh, Drew White, you look at Myron Tungavaloa, you look at, you know, Jeremiah Wusukoromo was part of that. Obviously, he left. He left last year, but you know, we talked Bo Bauer. I already said, and then you look because Bo Bauer is part of the 2018 class, but Bo Bauer committed to Notre Dame in 2016. He was right. one of those guys, you know, Kevin Austin committed to Notre Dame 
the summer of 2017, meaning after 2016, but before, before the 2017 yeah. season started. It was when it was still, yeah. yeah you know, rough. and you've got, you've got Myron Tungavaloa committed to that. Josh Lug was part of that. We talked about Drew White, John the Door, Kurt Heinish, Myron Tungavaloa. Those are guys that, that either some of them committed before, but others were some of those late additions that Notre Dame got late in the process. I mean, Myron Tungavaloa is a guy they got really, really late. And that class has turned out to be a really important class. I'm looking through it now, Vince, and I'm counting, see, one, two, three, four, five, five captains came from that class. <laughs> and it would have been more yeah. if Cole Komet would have come back for a senior year. Cole probably would have been True. a captain. I agree. I don't. Was Jeremiah Wusukorma, he was not a captain last year, correct? I thought he was. I have, to, I have to go look, but uh, I always have you know, so many I can never keep. Yeah, it straight. but he, uh, but he, you know, he definitely would have been this year if he wasn't last year. Uh, so you, you just look at it, you say, boy, that that being able to go out and identify those players and get those players, and it was a really. Um, I'm looking at pictures of last season against Alabama. He does not have a C on his jersey, so he was not a captain okay. last year. But okay. you know, he would have been had he come back oh, for no a fifth year. Yeah, no question. So it's a. Uh, you know, and the reason we bring that up is because this is their last home game for a lot of those kids. Now, yeah. some of them I think will be back. I, I think Bo Bauer is going to be back based on a conversation that we recently had. At, uh, anyone that was at the tailgate knows what conversation I'm talking about. Um, but I think he'll be back, I would assume. There's going to be some 2018 kids. You know, hopefully Kevin Austin comes back. But a Absolutely. lot of these kids, this is the last time Kurt Heinrich plays in there. And it seems like he's been there half of Brian Kelly's tenure. I mean, that's how it feels. And he's and he I think, but he's a year away from actually doing say, that, right? Like, you know, I was like, I was saying that like earlier. I was like thinking to myself hyperbolically. And I was like, wait a minute. If he'd arrived one year sooner, he would have been here for half of Kelly's tenure. And just what he's done his whole career. He was some yeah. throwaway kid that nobody really concerned themselves with when he committed. Like, ah, you know, he's a three-star kid. He's undersized. And. Kid's going to be a, a basically you know, three and a half year starter essentially, and and a guy that was in the rotation from the moment he stepped foot on campus at Notre Dame. Right. Same with Myron Tungavaloa Mosa, who, you know, when he was healthy, he 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 was part of that, and it's just been fun to watch those kids. And I always have a, a appreciation for the guys that commit when times are tough. Absolutely, and stick with it because it shows that they really those kids really understood what Notre Dame was about. Because if it was just about football, they'd have been like. Peace. I'm out. I'm going somewhere. That's and some little, guys were like you know, that, you but know. not not these kids that are still yeah. around. Obviously, yeah. yep. I, I agree completely. Yeah, it's always so. bittersweet, and it's one of the. I, honestly, it's one of the things that I love about college football is the turnover, um, and the appreciation and the maturation process process that we get to see from kids from when they first step on campus to when they finally leave campus if they stay their entire career right mm -hmm. um it it's one of the things i love about college football it's not like the nfl where you can hit the waiver wire and you can do all these different things i mean you you need to develop kids and they need to mature and they need to do all these different things and when they get to run out of the tunnel the last time they get to greet their parents man i, I this is i'm it's going to make me sound soft or whatever, but man, it's one of my favorite things. And I get there early every senior day so I can watch the reaction mm -hmm. of the families as their yeah. kid is running out. You know what I mean? And part of it yeah. probably because as my kid gets older, you know, you start to think about that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But like, man, everything that goes behind, behind mm -hmm. the scenes of parents taking their kids to practice and all that, this is their time to really get appreciated. And I love it, man. I just love yeah. every bit of it. And this is a unique group. It really is. 100%. It really Absolutely. Is.
Notre Dame football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Irish tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need for all of your go-to Irish tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their Notre Dame tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Notre Dame returns to South Bend for their final home game of the season against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. The last home game means it's senior day and you don't want to miss it. Just visit TickPick right now for your tickets. Just visit TickPick.com slash Irish today to save $10 on your first order of Notre Dame tickets. Again, that's TickPick.com slash Irish today to save $10 on your first order of Notre Dame tickets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The last thing, you know, I don't want to talk about this very much, Vince, but, you know, Brian Kelly was kind of on the the offensive line where a young team kick and all that other kind of stuff. And it's his favorite topic. I, I kind of laugh because he talked about, you know, well, we're, you know, we, we're a really young team and our offensive line was developing and they got a bad rap early and all this other kind of stuff. And I'm like, the as you've played younger players, you've actually, when you've actually gotten young, <laughs> you've actually good. been better. This is the best part, right? Yeah. That's what's funny. It's like if you go back and look at the Virginia, the Cincinnati game that they lost, and you look at the, they were not a young team early in the season. They nope. were not. They were playing a bunch of seniors and fifth year seniors at wide receiver. They had a six year senior, a fifth year senior, a senior, and a junior starting on the offensive line. They had a fifth year senior quarterback. They have a junior at running back. I mean, the only young guy they had in the lineup on offense was you had a freshman at left tackle, legitimate, and Michael Mayer, right? right? Who's who nobody is, thinks is a sophomore. No one's I mean, like, oh, well, he's young. You still know, he's want to young. see his birth certificate. Defensively, so. you're starting a junior uh, and a fifth-year senior at end. You're starting a fifth-year senior and a senior defensive tackle. At linebacker, you're starting two juniors and a fifth-year senior. You're starting a junior and a sophomore at corner, a junior at safety, and a senior at safety. And another senior coming off the bench. Where's the youth? Yeah, you could say exactly. maybe they had some inexperience, but they were not a young team as they've gotten and they've actually become a young team because now they actually are a young team, right? As they've had to play Logan yes. Diggs more, as they've had to play Lorenzo Styles and Deion Colsey more. And as you see Ramon Henderson, who's who's not young, but he I mean, he actually he's a sophomore that has he's a, a sophomore, bunch, right? A true Xavier sophomore. Xavier Watts yeah. is a sophomore. 
uh, you, you start seeing these these young guys getting in the game. Now they're actually young, and they're playing way better than they were exactly. a month ago when they were a young and team. What, and what's it, the harm it, in saying that? I don't understand why. I don't understand. It's to create a narrative that a lot of people have bought yeah. into that you bought up Sunday night about how great of a coaching job that Brian Kelly yeah. has done this year. Mm-hmm. And and then he starts talking about like, what was your plan to get these young players ready? He was asked that question. Uh, here was my plan. Lorenz, Lawrence Watts is going to, Lawrence Keys is going to transfer. Joe Wilkins is going to get hurt. And then Avery yeah. Davis is going to get yeah. hurt. That's my plan That's to get plan. the young players ready. Yeah. Right. Like, and then Chris Tyree is going to get hurt. It, it's like there was no plan because if there was a plan, they wouldn't have waited till the sixth game of the year right. to put and that was Logan a, Biggs in the game. And that was a legit question that was asked. That was, that the was actually conference. the question is what yes. was your plan to get all these young players ready? Right. And did you change play? practice around to accommodate what? I like it's just it's just it's feeding a narrative that that doesn't realistically exist. Right. And that's because there was no plan. We there was no we plan. did again. We did listen. see practice. We saw listen. practice. Yes, Brian, you did. And there was no let's get the young guys in plan. No. Okay. They played like they played like Deion Colsey and and, and uh Lorenzo Styles like a couple snaps a game. Right. And you know, and it was them. it was for breathers. It was for it was exactly when they would right. run vertical routes. The guys would come off the field where they ended, and then those guys would come in right. for one play, and then they'd get those other guys back in. Logan that, Diggs played zero snaps until Chris Tyree was hurt. What exactly. was your plan? Right. So again, if if I'm gonna believe this and I'm gonna buy this narrative, then I have to be convinced that man, we got lucky because the moment we were ready to play Logan Diggs is exactly the moment that Chris Tyree got hurt. Right. That, that's what I'd have to believe. And I'm just not that naive. Right. And, you know, it just, it's, uh, yeah, he did not play a single snap of football until I'm looking at it now. He didn't play a single snap of football till week six against Virginia Tech. And it was him and Estime rotating in yeah. with the third group when we were there. And it was primarily freshmen. It was Buckner and, and Estime and, you know, yeah. it was all those guys and they were all rotating on the third team. Yeah. The thirteen doesn't get reps, you know. Loren- they get Lorenzo Styles played one, seven, one, five, eight, and three snaps this season before he was forced into action. Right. Yeah. Deion Colsey actually he played more. He got twelve snaps against Cincinnati, but again, that was because that was the game Joe Wilkins got hurt. Right. So yeah, it's just it's frustrating to me. I don't under. It just I don't understand why you can't just be honest. Right. Like, hey, hey look, you, know what? you know what? We got- I'm, I'm proud of my coaches for getting the guys ready when they had to. Next man up. They're they're playing great. Because look, it can be a totally positive thing that yes, the young guys are playing now, and we coached them up to get to that point, mm-hmm. you know, now that you had to. Right. That, that's okay. That right. that's positive to me. Right. Stop beating this narrative, right. this drum of, of them being young the whole time. Right. Right. And, and again, in some ways, like, hey, you know what? Like Chris O'Leary, for example, 26-year-old assistant coach. He's 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 blessed to the end of the season with an All-American yeah. and two seniors who've played a lot of football. Yes. Right? And, and one of the seniors isn't playing well. The other senior, DJ Brown, is has been, you know, started off rough. I mean, rough first couple games and has really grown into – he's playing good football right now. You'd lose your All-American – and then you go into a game against Virginia, the, the highest scoring offense you're going to face all year, against one of the best receiving cores you're going to face all year, 
and you're playing a sophomore converted cornerback, like converted a week ago, a sophomore converted wide receiver, right? Who you converted three weeks ago and, and the two seniors who, who, you know, and and that's an opportunity. Like, you know what, like what a great job he's done. And he did praise Chris O'Leary today for the job he's done. Good. Deservedly so. But like, that's a, that's a, that's a situation you could be lifting up and saying, Hey, you know, look, we're, we're really young. And he went out there this weekend and did a great job getting our guys ready to play. But it's, 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 you're losing your chance to really praise the job your staff has done in recent weeks because you're still trying to stick to the narrative of, oh, well, this is always part of the, ev-. like the way that, and the reason I'm frustrated is because he made it sound like, well, this was always part of the evolution. Right. We right. always knew we were going to get here. That's this why was we the plan. did. Like, if they would have played Dion and Lorenzo more and Logan Diggs more and, you know, and, and a lot of these other moves they've made from the beginning, and said, "Hey, you know what? We're going to take our lumps early in the season because when we when these guys click, it's going that would have been an example of being young." And you know, he talked about, you know, grad transfers and how important it was to get grad transfers and he talked about, you know, how vital Kane Madden was. If anything, I believe that taking Kane Madden has stunted your offensive line. I completely line agree with that. I would have rather you have gone young like you said you were and just thrown Rocco Spindler out there. Rocco Spindler by now would be a better player than Kane Madden is if you'd have just thrown him out there in game one. Completely agree. Just, you know what I mean? And, and so that would have been being young. You've got a fifth-year senior quarterback. You had a fifth-year senior wide receiver. Your other two receivers, starting receivers this year, were seniors. You had a six-year senior, a fifth-year senior, a senior who's a three-year starter and a junior on your offensive line. And that's not young. It's not. It's not. Inexperienced, yes, in some areas, to a degree, yes. Then use that term. Yeah. Like, use that terminology. They're not yeah. young. So it, it is frustrating. It is, yeah. it is frustrating, to be honest with you. But – and then Georgia Tech – you know, he I was kind of listening to him talk about Georgia Tech and I'm like, man, he's trying really hard to make Georgia Tech sound good. Of course he is. And 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 but you know, he 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 he's kind of he's kind of on to something because you know, your record doesn't always def- reflect your talent level. Now, I think Brian Kelly oversold it a lot, which he should have. I mean, Lou Holtz did that stuff all the time. No, I, mean, I have when, no problem with that. When, to be no, honest. no, it just it was just no kind of problem. funny. I'm like, yeah. you know, he's really working hard. To, it was it was more of an admiration because <laughs> that's what a coach is supposed to do, right? This yes. isn't a criticism. When you're Absolutely. about to play a three and seventeen, and he kind of said it without saying it. When you're playing a three and seven team, it is hard to get your players locked in when they're it really is. good because they're three and seven. Yep. And and he made a point like you know they're. They're better than their talent. That their talent is better than their record, and and he's right. I mean, at yeah. least offensively, right? They do have some players, and you know they're they're in the midst of a one and five streak. And he was like, you know, there's some plays here, some plays there, and I'm like, you know, they lost to Northern Illinois by a point. They lost to Clemson by six. They lost to Virginia by eight. It wasn't really that. I mean, Virginia was controlling that game. They lost to Virginia Tech by nine. They lost to Miami by three and Boston College by 11 in a game where Boston College scored the final 10 points of the game. So, I mean, he, he is, he is, I mean, they, but again, you're a nine and one football team. You're a top 10 football team. This game should not be close. Absolutely correct. But, but I understand what he was doing there because you've got to figure out a way to make sure your players don't overlook them. What I would do to my defense and to make sure that they don't overlook uh, them is I would just put a highlight tape of Jameer Gibbs together and just run it. Yeah. And be like, hey, if you want to think about not stepping up and playing well this week, let's just n- remind ourselves who we're, who we're guarding this week. And uh, I think that should help them kind of. I, 
you know, it, it's nice when you're playing a team that is three and seven um, that you have senior day uh, as well. And I know Notre Dame has come out flat on senior day in the past, and I totally get that. But if I'm the coach, right, and it's senior day and it's an inferior opponent, I'm focused less on the opponent, but more on the fact that it's senior day and playing for your brothers. How and do you want to go out? You it's know what about I mean? Yeah. Your standard. It, yeah. Exactly. You're focused yep. more on you than you are on the opponent. Of course, you break down what the opponent does and you do all the mm-hmm. things that you normally do. But when it comes to talk, mm-hmm. you know, you're it's all about where we are and what we need to do mm-hmm. to be successful. And yeah. um that I mean that's what I would do. And that's nice that they have that when they're going up against a three and seven mm-hmm. team. And then next week when they go up against Stanford, who's also not very good. And, and I would say Stanford's worse. Well, there because you go. Georgia tech actually has yeah. some athletes. That's fair. That's fair. They but do. I mean, there's, but there's plenty that you can talk about. You're yeah. going on the road. You know, this is the last chance to, you know, put your case out there for, you know, the end of the year, all of those things as well. So there's, there's plenty of other things to talk about as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, these two football teams that just frankly aren't very good. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of that was kind of it from the Kelly press conference. Talked a lot about the job that Mike Elson has done with the defensive line, which is just absolutely been excellent. You know, talked about how they didn't have Myron this week and 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 then Alexander Aaronsberger's banged up. So you've got to move Riley Mills outside. Nana, who was sick all week, steps up and you know it's just it's like what we've said that that whole next man in thing no position has 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 shown how just how what that's supposed to look like the what the job Mike Elson's done and it's yep. not just year to year cuz like to me the 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 funny thing is it's like this team seems to do better when they have to throw a new person in there in the middle of a week as opposed to having a whole off season to get ready with new people right apparently that's harder uh, for, for, for Brian Kelly. But when you look at the job Mike Elson done, yes, he's lost Jerry Tillard and replaced him and lost, you know, Ulak Ward and Kareem and replaced him and lost. But it's also, there's been times where they've lost those guys during the season. You know, you lose Dalen Hayes against Virginia, fourth game of the year, he's out for the year. In that same game, you know, so you bring Jameer Jones in. A few weeks later, Julian Aquara goes down. And now you're out with two NFL draft picks at defensive end. And Khalid Kareem's got a banged up shoulder. He missed a little bit of time. And you, you don't miss a beat because now Jameer Jones steps into the mix and Justin Adamiola steps into the mix and plays. And it's just – it's really been fun to watch that, watch that develop, or it's just kind of like after a while you kind of stop paying attention to who's in the game because you just know that for the most part they're going to be good. Well, and I and I, I hope that – and I'm, I'm seeing a little bit in the, in the chat. I know Matt D respects what Mike Elston does, but I hope mm-hmm. Notre Dame fans understand how important he has been yeah. to this staff and how lucky – Notre Dame is that he has stuck around because he yeah. could have written his ticket to be a defensive coordinator elsewhere, you know, to move on and, and potentially be a head coach by now, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest. But he enjoys what his role is and he's a family oriented guy and he wants, you know, his kids to grow up in the same place. And look, Brian, you know better than anybody in college football to have stability like that is borderline mm-hmm. impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and yeah, and so the fact I, that Mike Elson has has made the decision to stay over overtures from other places because not just his love for Notre Dame, but you know he's thought about how's this going to impact my family, my three daughters, my wife, and you know, I, I respect that a ton. You know, it is hard to juggle being a parent. I I, I struggled to just be a husband when yeah. I was coaching. Yeah, I mean, I, I and I wasn't good at it. I was a really good coach and not a real good husband. 
Mike Elson has to juggle being a coach at Notre Dame with being a husband and a father to three girls. And it's just like little things like um, there was something where he couldn't be at one of his daughter's dances. So Kurt Heinisch takes her to the dance. Right. Right. Like that family kind of atmosphere awesome. that he's built. He's got his players. I had a parent of a Notre Dame player who didn't play the defensive line who said this to me. He goes, Mike Elston has his players over his house as much as the NCAA allows them. Like that, that's just, that's kind of how it is. And, well, and, and they, it's said in yeah. an envious manner. He's like, yeah, yes. my kid's never been to his position coach's house. Right. Right. A ever. One well, in the and, defensive line, I think went to like a recital for the, his daughters at one point had right. signs and right. the whole like, right. that's huge, man. Like that, yeah. that tells you right there because those got look, Notre Dame football players and, and football players everywhere. They got a lot going on in their plate. <laughs> yes. Okay. And to yes. take time out to go hang with your position yeah. coach's family. Right. And like that's huge. That, that right. speaks volumes to me. Right. It really does. Right. Right. So anyway, so so he did talk about that. And, the, and and somebody said, you know, the job Mike Elson's done this year. And Kelly's response is really good. It was Mike Delson does a really good job every year. <laughs> he wasn't saying it like in a dickish kind of manner. Like he wasn't saying it like to insult the person. He was just like, it wasn't like this year. It wasn't like that. But it was just was kind of funny. He just he gets like that. You know, Kelly gets that smirk on his face like. Mike Elson does a job, good job every year. It's like, yeah, okay. yeah, you know, I mean, it's what it is. <laughs> good point. That's great. That's fantastic. So, so that was enough from today's press conference. But um, it's going to be fun to watch the senior class kind of go out. It with, will uh, be. A bang. We do have a super chat here. Uh, Hulk Strongest with a super chat. Thank you for that. He said, how good would this defense be if Jeremiah Wusukoromos stayed? I mean, look, you bring back the Buckus Award winner, um, the defense gets better. <laughs> In I mean, a defense just... that attacks more than yeah, last year's defense. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yes, they would have been much better. Uh, and, and that's yeah. saying something because they're on par with, you know, you mentioned the the points per game mm -hmm. you know, in last night's podcast that they're right. kind of getting back to where they were last year and the year before, et cetera. Um, it, it would have been an even better, you know, yeah. so no, I mean, again, you have Kyle Hamilton one year better and we saw what he did when he was healthy and yeah. you add JOK to that. Yeah. Cause the points are about on point, uh, yards per game. They're about, about 20 yards more than they were last year, but they're 0.3 lower in yards per play because this offense has been less ball control right. than last year. Right. So there's more plays. That's why they have more <laughs> yards. I would also argue part of that is because they've played better teams. So, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, this defense would have been really good with Jeremiah. And it would have made the, it would have made losing Kyle Hamilton sting a little bit less as well. But it's, I, I think Absolutely. there's, there's been a lot of games where like Jeremiah would have helped, but it, it, I mean, it wouldn't have mattered a ton, you know, like Wisconsin, that kind of thing. But like, Navy, Virginia, right? Without Brendan Armstrong, but like it would have been really nice to have him against North Carolina. Absolutely, right? I mean, yeah, no question. And it would have been really nice to have him even against USC mm -hmm. to a degree. Mm -hmm. And and so yeah, there's been times when, and of course, it would have been nice to have him in the in the postseason. <laughs> well, because I think I think that that JOK uh, erases some of that yeah. the 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 rush yards that those teams got, you know, yeah. and I realize it was a little bit more scheme than anything else with the three down and the, everybody, but I still think, I, I still think Jeremiah Wusu Cormo erases some of that and it's not yeah. as glaring. It'd have been interesting to see how, how, um, how Freeman would have used him. That would have also been an interesting, an interesting but, thing to consider. 
couple comments, Brian, if we must, uh, yeah. before I want uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, and timeout Tom says, let's assume this. A, we'll call this a thought experiment. All right. Cause we're not calling for anybody's jobs. Uh, timeout Tom says, let's assume Marcus Freeman is the next head coach might not be appropriate, but which coaches do you think he'll retain from the present staff? That's I think really he'll want to, yeah, I think he'll want to retain the entire defensive staff. I think that's fair. Um, I think that he picked Chris O'Leary. Him and Mike Mark Mike Mickens coached together before, and him and Mike Elson clearly get along. I've, that's what on, I've been told. Yeah. I've been told that he relies a lot on Coach Elson. There's actually it was two games this year where I was told, and this isn't told by someone connected to Mike Elston. It's not right. spin for Mike Elston. I've been told by a couple different people that at times this year, like like Coach Freeman and Coach Elson were like, like this when it came to putting a game plan together for a couple different games to the point where Mike, because what can happen with a young coach like Marcus Freeman, and this is a general comment, not a Marcus Freeman, but a general comment. A lot of young coaches kind of think they have all the answers. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, raise your hand if you were a young coach who thought you were smarter than everybody in the room. Okay. Uh, And, and, and I think it says a lot about Marcus Freeman that he's had a lot of success at a very early age. And to still have the humility to say, how can this coach help me? How can that coach help me? What can I learn from this person around him? I think speaks volumes about him. But then also, again, it speaks about the kind of program he came up in as a player at Ohio State under under Jim Trestle. And and so to me, I think that has been a part of it. I think there is a good connection there. I would imagine that either Mickens or Elston would have a chance to be coordinators, if not co-coordinators, or if Elston was just the coordinator, I would imagine that would be part of it. Offensively, I mean, I would I would have to think I would hope that he'd want to keep Lance Taylor, you know, for for sure. Uh, as a, I mean, again, I have some issues with Lance Taylor as a recruiter, but his his issues in recruiting are more of nitpicking him achieving maximum success. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's fixable it's just, things it's, by it's a really of, good it's more recruiter of a, like Marcus critique Freeman. Of, yeah. I mean, he's. Opinion. But he's still done a really good job. I mean, Chris Tyree, Logan Diggs. Yeah, although, again, right. he didn't recruit all Logan Diggs. Terry Joseph and Tom Reese did. But still, he he's the position coach. And Audric Estime and Janarian Price and now Cedric Urban. But he's a very, very, very good position coach. I mean, so you can kind of somewhat live with the fact that he's a good recruiter, not an elite recruiter, with the fact that he's a really good position coach. But, the, you know, Tommy Reese, I think, would, would be one he would consider. Mm-hmm. I, I, beyond that, I, I have no idea. I don't know I don't yeah. know what his opinion is of Jeff Quinn or Mar, of, or John McNulty or Dell Alexander. And he probably That's doesn't not have saying, a ton of interaction. No, I mean, does. they do. Oh, okay. yeah, you do. Oh, yeah, you okay. do. Okay. You definitely do because you also are like – as a defensive coordinator, I can assure you when the offense is going three and out, you're like, what? Yeah. You know, I mean, trust me, you, you, you know, you know. Yeah. And I mean, are you sitting there watching everything? No, but you know. No, you make and a good point. They turned it over. Crap. Wait a minute. We're, st- we're starting inside the 10 again. Great. Yeah. You have an idea of what's going on, on the other side of the ball. No, And you're watching your defense just obliterate your offensive line every day. And you're watching film of the technique they're employing and things like that. You have an idea. Okay. But I personally don't know what Marcus Freeman's opinion is of John right. Nolte or Dell Alexander or Jeff Quinn. So I'm not saying he wouldn't want to bring them back. I would never presume to speak for Marcus Freeman. Uh, it's just I don't know his opinion. And Marcus I know Freeman's going to want to put do his own if I were him. thumbprints yeah. and things, I would imagine. Yes, I would imagine so. And I think he understands the need to have a, an offense that's a little bit more explosive and, and up-tempo. Yeah, so. buddy. 
Not up tempo, uh, but the, aggressive. Yeah, the last one I want to hit, not last one, but next one I want to hit maybe before we start talking about the next thing is it's very off topic, off topic, but is anybody worried about the fact that Jonathan Doerr can't put the ball in the end zone on a regular basis on kickoffs? He's not asked to. Um, he's, he's asked to put it in the left corner so yes. that they are forced to return it if they cho- you know choose to do yeah. so. Uh, because they want to pin you inside the 25. Right. They don't want the ball on the 25. Which last year made a lot of sense. Right. Made a lot of sense. This year they haven't been as good in kickoff return, in my opinion. I would like to see them this year just boom it and just kick it out. Just but kick it out. Yeah. Last year it made total sense. It's a strategic move. Absolutely. If you can yeah. if you can kick the ball in the corner inside the five, that's better than kicking it out of bounds if you have a good cover team. And we saw that last year. I mean, they were yes. consistently pinning teams inside the 25. Yeah, no question. And I so I get it. And and yes, it can be frustrating at times, but there's co- there's special teams coaches out there. I see it all the time in high school, mm-hmm. more because kids can't do it, but they, you know, that you get the pooch kick, mm-hmm. you know, because it'll it, the high pooch kick cuz it allows your coverage team to get down the field quicker and they can tackle as soon as the ball is caught as opposed to trying to put it down on the 5 and it takes longer head mm-hmm. of steam, all that fun stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, believe me, Jonathan Doerr, injured or otherwise, can put it in the end zone every single time if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I, uh, almost every time. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, he's still inconsistent enough to just like, wait a minute, what did he just all do? All right. That's fair. But that, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. But he's got the leg strength to do it. He's just not asked to do it. So right. I just wanted to touch on that. Right. So next topic Brian Driscoll. We want yeah. to talk a little uh, college football. Yes. I you do. Know, wing around, right? I definitely do. I definitely yeah. do. I first want to talk about what in the heck is happening at Florida right now. Because I know you're a big Dan Mullen guy. I have expressed I, I mean, before, personally, I like Dan Mullen. Yeah. But, wow. You're talking about losing a team? He's lost that team. They gave up – they, they they were losing the entire game to Sam yes. Ferd. Sam. Sam Ferd. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a rough situation right there. It's a real tough tough situation right there. Yeah, I mean they 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 pay teams like that to come to town. I mean, from what I I think they were a three and five FCS team, Vince. Yes, yeah, right. They were paid over half a million dollars to come and play this game and presumably lose this game. They did, and they did eventually. They did, (laughs) and Florida celebrated like they just won the national championship. uh, You know what though? You know what though? I actually had. So tell me your opinion of that, Vince, because okay. it sounds like you have some feelings on that. I think it's a, I I as I get the fact that okay, you you won and you didn't completely embarrass yourself. Although I feel like they did embarrass themselves as a team uh, in that game. I didn't like it. I, I didn't. I, I you should just be happy that you got out of there with a win. It's time to regroup and fix some stuff. Like I did not appreciate the big celebration. That's me. I, I, I'm sympathetic to that. I feel like with how this season has gone for them and with how that game started, you just fired your O-line coach, you just fired your D coordinator. There was some some division in the locker room because of those coaches from before they were fired, which led to them being fired, according to some people I've talked to about it. Yeah. You've lost four of your previous five games. Your team needed to come together. You know, you needed something, and and I think it wasn't so much about beating Sanford as it was about this team just needed a win. This team, and, and I don't know if I'm talking about a win on the football field, 
I'm talking about just an emotional win, just and a win I, in life. Just yeah, to, yeah just no, to, we can't. You know, it. it's we came together as a team and scored 35 points in the second half, and and won this game. And and I think it was more of a celebration of the week they had gotten through. I actually think that's something that could be a springboard for them emotionally. Now they have to. It, now if they come out this week and lay an egg uh, against uh, Missouri. Then I'm going to say they were just acting like knuckleheads and it's an immature team. And, you know, but I'm curious to see how they respond to this because I, I do feel like part of me says, mate, this is something that, that it, that just looked like a team that had just had a big monkey, you know, like raced off their shoulder, you know, lifted off yeah. their back, you know, because of just, and not because of Sanford. It has nothing to do with Sanford. I, I really feel like the celebration wasn't about Sanford and, hey, we beat Sanford, but hey, guys you know, we've had a really rough week mm-hmm. and, and, and we could have quit and we could have gave up. And honestly, for a while we did. And they bat- rallied back and, and made plays and did what they needed to do. And, you know, I, I think, I think that's kind of where for me it came from because I mean, this, this team wasn't, yeah, I'm looking at now. It was like they were down 42 to 28 at one point in time. And then man. just, you know, I just, it was a, it was a, it was a rough deal, man. Man. And yeah, so so I understand where you're coming from, Vince. I just kind of felt like that really wasn't so much about Samford as it was about that. How, hey guys, we we came together and we did what we needed to do. But that was um, but still though, the 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 point that they got to the the reason they got to that point to me is problematic for Dan Mullen. Oh yeah, because he really has just not. He's just – he's not done what I thought. I thought that was an absolute grand slam home run hire. I, I, I did, and it's been – it's been rough. It's yeah. been really, really rough. Yes. Did you watch any of the Georgia-Tennessee game? I did not, no. I'm curious to see how – if you go back and watch it. I thought Tennessee moved the ball well early. By the middle of the second quarter, Tennessee was down their top three receivers Oof. and didn't do anything after that. Well, but yeah, they were moving I mean, early. But but I, I tell you, I was I liked how Georgia battled. I was impressed with how Georgia played. Their offense is still super vulnerable to me. It's not yeah. great. I'm curious how they're going to play against Alabama. But that was uh, interesting. There was at one point on Saturday, and I tweeted this out. It was it was Alabama, Florida, and who was the other team that was losing? Was it uh, Oklahoma? Maybe. I forget Probably. who it was. I mean, they did lose. Yeah, so, but it was yeah. like three of those. I'd have to find the tweet, but like they were all losing, and it was just like, this is kind of weird. It was a it was a really weird weekend. Did you watch the Michigan Penn State game? I swear, James Franklin, that freaking guy. I tell you what, man, I, I'll I did watch that game, and when he went for the fake field goal on fourth and two from the four yard line, and the manner in which they ran it, and the execution of it, I mean. <laughs> You want to talk about putting your kicker uh, in a precarious position and a potential opportunity to die? Uh, that's what they did, and it was ugly. It was uh, first of all, I don't like the decision. I don't like the play call at all. Well, no matter what the fake is, okay. But I, the execution of it, the the drawing up of it, the actual play itself, I thought was was terrible. They uh, are a super finesse football team. Yeah, they are not on offense. They are not a physical offense. No, and that has surprised me. They are a pass happy, get it outside, not physical at the point of attack team. 
they can't run the ball at all. And and Michigan was down. They didn't have their, you know, Blake Corum didn't play. And they Michigan ran well on them, in my opinion. Hassan Haskins, I mean, Penn State should have won that game. Here's my question no for question. you. Man. Here's the question that I wanted to, to pose. At this point in time, is James Franklin more got to be more concerned with keeping his job at Penn State than he is the, taking getting another, another job? one? No, I'm serious about this. Yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to be flippant. This is what no, I, I want to to, to, and I'm curious what people think is, listen, if if they play Rutgers this weekend at home, I assume they're going to win that one. I, I mean, Then I they play so. at Michigan State, okay? do you? Does anyone actually think that – now, again, at USC, they may do all types of dumb things. I just think their new AD is not an idiot. Hmm. Do you think they're going to hire a guy who just who, – who's who's in the last two years has gone 11 and 10 in two years? Depends. Think about that. Because Penn State was four and five last year. True. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to figure out like, and if he goes seven and five a year after going four and five, is 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 the conversation more about how James Franklin needs to be on the hot seat as opposed to him getting a a a, a, a head coaching job at a bigger at a better better place? Well, he's he's staring two and five in the face to finish the season. Yeah. And that's, that, that's if they beat Rutgers, which I'm going to assume that they will, yeah. and lose to to Michigan State. That's two and five to finish yeah. out the year when right around that time that that losing streak started is right around the time USC fired their head coach and yeah. your name became the top of the list, right? Yeah. That's, not, <laughs> that's not a way to secure a job. And frankly, Penn State has, has higher expectations than yes. what they've done the last two years. They have. And – you know, we talk about, you know, when we were talking about conference realignment and all those different things and how Penn State, you know, they're their own entity and they were good when they were independent and all these other things and they don't really fit in the Big Ten. Well, you you have a brand all your own. You can't you can't be at this standard. This is not a Penn State standard, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think that that's fair when, it, when you're talking about mm-hmm. – the, the the fan base and you're talking about you know the alumni and all of those different things this is not the Penn State standard and I don't care how mm-hmm. well James Franklin is recruiting you can't finish the season two and five when you were it's even worse to be a when top you're recruiting 15, well. top 10 team it's you even worse I mean? when you recruit yeah. the well he's way he's recruited exactly I mean exactly. they have what four starting offensive linemen coming back they got a three-year starter quarterback they got one of the best receivers in the country in Jahan Dotson you got a lot of guys coming back on I mean they're Everybody talked about how good Penn State was going to be this year. And I mean, Vince, again, they're 10 and nine in the last two years. 10 and nine. Yeah, that's not good. And, and so he's yeah, in so year eight. 10 and nine, and he's they're going to be eight. 11 and then two, you know, one more loss, right? So mm-hmm. 11 and 10 over two year span. And that's a guy that people are talking about getting an LSU USC job. Right. Based on about what? Slim pickings. <laughs> that's Based what, that's on what that tells what? me. I, I'm curious if if USC is seriously looking there. Very I, curious about that. Well, if if Notre Dame fans want James Franklin to have the USC job, which we all do, yes, okay, yes, you need to hope for a two and zero finish here for James Franklin. Yes, okay, and and look, as Notre Dame fans, period, for this season, you want them to beat Michigan State because hopefully that means Michigan State has lost their last two games of the season. They're mm-hmm. out because they would have lost to Ohio State and Penn State, so they're going to be out in front of you. And then you just hope that Ohio State takes care of Michigan and they're out. You know, 
all of those different, right? So Penn State still could throw a wrench into some things in the Big Ten and the college football playoff race. So mm-hmm. um, I personally want James Franklin to go 2-0 and so that he does end up going to USC. Mm-hmm. Because they'll look at that as a big win going to East Lansing and beating this Michigan State team, right? Mm-hmm. And that'll be what he's sitting on as his final regular season game. Right. You know, because, look, if right. USC is going to hire him, they're going to hire him before the bowl game. Right. They're not going to wait till after the bowl game. No. They're going to do it. It's going to happen like about a week after the season's yes. over with. 100% agree. Yes. A couple, couple comments real quick. Um, yeah. Matt D says, at least Dorr hasn't kicked the ball out of out <laughs> off off out of bounds this season. You do know now, Matt, that he's going to do that this weekend against Georgia <laughs> Tech, and we're all blaming you this for that. It's going to be your fault, Matt. It's going to be 100% your fault. Ooh, Although, I'm not going to lie, after watching Jameer Gibbs go, you know, take one back a hundo last week against Boston College, I would probably be happier with that than him to miss inbounds to, to Jameer Gibbs. Yeah. That would be uh, not good. We'll get back to college football here in a minute. Nicholas Grosh says, although, as mentioned, Kelly does have a lot of self-serving narratives, should the coaching staff get credit because the young players that have come in are basically ready? And that's what we said earlier. Yes. That's why he's – that's why spit. That's why trying to hold on to this preseason narrative of, oh, we're young, is actually – this is the point we were making, Nicholas. And if we didn't make it clear, then that's on us, and I'm going to make it clear now. That's exactly what we were saying is – was – why it was annoying that he was still sticking to that we are a young team narrative because and trying to make it seem like they had a plan to get those young guys ready because they didn't really have a plan to get those young guys ready. But when you, but you know what, when they've had to play those young guys, those guys have stepped up and played. Now, part of that, in my opinion, is those guys came in ready to play to a degree, but you also have to coach them up. I mean, you don't see Logan Diggs making a bunch of assignment mistakes that you know, Logan Diggs's footwork and his hurdling over guys and stiff arms. I don't give Lance Taylor any credit for that, just like I didn't give myself credit when my all American running back was doing those kind of things. Because as a running backs coach, that's you just letting him be talented, right? right? Where Lance Taylor gets the gets the credit is the fact that once he got the ball at the right place, you know, getting them there, that's what a running back coach is supposed to do. Because if the running back gets downhill too early, the holes aren't there. If it gets downhill too late, the holes are closed, right? right? So the footwork, the timing, that's important stuff. You know, emphasizing the stiff arm, that is something Lance Taylor And they worked on. the stiff arm. And, and, I mean, and it drove me nuts under Autry Denson that every ring back always carried the ball like in his right arm, no matter where they were. And I've always said that's ridiculous. Get the ball in your outside arm. Because if you get the ball in the outside arm, you have the stiff arm. We've seen Notre Dame running backs this year, stiff arming dudes left and right. Yeah, and it's it's been Kyron, it's been Logan, it's been Tyree, Tyler Buckner it, too. I mean, he yes, and, 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 yes. and the running and, they, and the the quarterbacks they have a work helmet with the running on a back stick. Coach. Yeah, yeah. They, they put a tweet out, Vince. You've seen this in practice. Yes. I've seen this. In pra- they have helmet on a stick that Lance Taylor will hold as they're running through drills, and they got to work on stiff arming. That's great coaching, right? Yes, absolutely. you know. So yes, there are certain things that I don't give Lance Taylor credit for, and he and that's with any coach. I mean, when, when a guy does what coach Kyron Williams did on that 91 yard touchdown run, the coach isn't necessarily getting credit for that credit for that. It's all the other things that you notice that are like, wow, he's doing a great job coaching. It's that they don't, they don't make assignment mistakes a lot. They're on their track. They, they know who to pick up and blitz pro and things like that. You know, it, it's, it's, it's look, man, he did a great job being able to coach those guys up and get them ready to play. You know, you yeah. can even give Dell Alexander some credit for, you know, for Lorenzo styles and, Deion Coles, you playing well, but instead you're still trying to feed us this narrative of oh, we were always young, and and to to justify how bad you played at the beginning of the year, 
And and so to me, you talk about, you know, your team's trying to build, you know, co- continuity on the offensive line. That's because you chose to play a six-year senior who's not very good over a freshman and a junior and John Dirksen that spent the whole spring working with the rest of the offensive line. That was your choice. That was your decision. That was that's not a player thing. That's a your that's a you thing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And and so th- those things, but to Nicholas, to your point, yeah, that's kind of what we're saying. Yeah. That's why we brought up the job that Chris O'Leary's done. When you think about what he started with and what he's working with now as a 26, 27 year old assistant coach who'd never been a Dude. division, who'd never coached above the D2 level yep, as a full time coach, that's a heck of a job. That's assistant coach of the year. That's a heck stuff, of a man. job. I'm serious. Right? Yeah, no question. And, and so, I mean, that's, that's the conversation we should be having. And to a degree, he did some of that today. But when he takes it back to that narrative of, oh, we always knew we were young. We had a plan to get these guys ready. You're actually taking away from the job that you guys are doing. You know, you want to talk about, well, we're a young offensive line. No, you're not. You want to praise Jeff Quinn. Talk about the fact that Jeff Quinn's had to put four left tackles on the field this year. Right. Two of them were true freshmen. One was a red shirt and, and the other two were red shirt freshmen. And injuries kept forcing me to put a different guy out there. And we had to maneuver that. Like, focus on that. Don't try to right. tell me that you're young everywhere else. And, and that's where his narratives – and it's always been true of Brian Kelly. His narratives always come back to take away from the real story, which is a great one. It's a and good And one that story. you should be selling on the recruiting trail of, hey, look, Man. we've been thrust into this situation where we have to play all these young yes. guys. It's we didn't plan story. to play all these young guys. That's why we didn't play them early in the year. And now that we're in there, they're balling out. That's right. a great sales pitch and on our offense trail. Better than it was in the first right. half. Because, and you know, this is all why people, people get mad. And first of all, if you just want homer takes, there's places where you're going to get that, right? If you want somebody to be negative all the time, there's places where you're going to get that. We're going to try to be objective. And here's the whole point. This is why this matters. And this is what I just said. Because when you create false narratives, those false narratives are harder to sell to people that actually want to be give, be given the truth. Fans, some fans don't want the truth. They just want us to say, hey, this is the best coaching staff in the world. They're phenomenal. They make no mistakes. They're winning in spite of the talent, right. which is the narrative that's being spun in some places, right? Yeah. And, and and that does not move the needle with an 18, 17, 16-year-old who's trying to decide. So, you know, so basically if I go there, the coaches are going to get all the credit and I'm not going to get any. Or in the case of you know, th- this narrative of, oh, we're really young. So wait a minute. So if I'm a junior or senior and I haven't played a lot, I'm going to be considered. I mean, there's all these negative types of narratives as opposed to the real story, which is they have had a lot of injuries this season that have thrust them into situations where they've had to play younger guys and Correct. they they got those younger guys ready to play. And yes. that should be the narrative. Hey, we started off as a veteran team. We had a lot of seniors on our, in our lineup. And now we are genuinely a young football team. Yes. I mean, we genuinely a young football we team. We weren't prepared to, th- to play these guys. But no. our, my coaching staff has done an amazing job yes. getting those guys ready. Yes. Be the next man in. And I'm it just says a lot about our and, coaching staff. And, yeah, and it's, it's a so, great sales pitch. It's so easy. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, yeah. It just, 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay. Uh, Corey D with a super chat. I would love to see Riley or Barnes replacing Lewis during the offseason to corner. Lewis would make a good safety. Any word on this happening? It's too early for that, other than what we've said, which is the staff is going to be taking a look at that in the offseason. They may not end up going that route, but I'm co- I'm confident that the staff is going to consider a lot of different options at corner. Yeah, and it's clear that they're open. They're open to yeah. options because yeah. they're doing it midseason. Yeah. Um, which I if they weren't open to that, they would not have looked at Ramon Henderson and moving him to say, Agreed. It would have been say, Hey, look, get DJ and Houston and KJ. And this is what this is our guys. Let's get the s- freshman ready. It's like, Hey, you know what? Mate, you know, Ramon's too athletic to not be playing better. Yeah. Let's give him a shot over here and, right. and see what he's going to do. So I don't think that they're, they're, they're thinking about that right now. I think they thought about it during the season and they decided Clarence best helps us in 2021 at corner. They'll readdress that in the offseason, and they may still decide Clarence helps us best right now at corner. It just depends on how some other guys do and yeah. who stays and all those kind of things. Absolutely. So, you know, to me, that's kind of how, uh, you know, that that that's kind of where 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 it, it gets down to. So, yeah, it's a little bit frustrating. And I'm going to address a question here, Vince, uh, about there's somebody I don't somebody I've never seen before. Yeah, uh, like jumping on the 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 Jeff Quinn, yeah, 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 bandwagon. So we'll get on. It that. was an but original. I, the original question was about Kane Madden, and uh-huh. another service talked about how bad he was. Yes, uh, how so bad he, he says is Kane Madden is horrible. As Mike go. Goolsby says. So go. I've had some conversation with Mike Goolsby off the record. I like Mike. I, I've never watched a single show he's done. I like Mike. Um, uh, personally, I've had some real good. He's he's come to me and kind of push back on things I've said. And we've had some good football conversations. I, I like Mike. Uh, I don't know what he said about Caden Madden, but if he says that he wasn't good, then we would, I, I can't say that I agree with Mike. Cause I don't know what Mike said. If the summary of what he said was Kane Madden's not very good, then yes, I agree with Mike. Right. Uh, so, so I, I, but I can't, I don't, I, I get nervous about responding to something that someone said, if I don't have a direct quote or if I didn't hear it. So I can't I can't say that. And and then Andrew said, and adding on to the offensive line was fantastic last year. What's happened? Just guys graduating and poor recruiting 2017 to 19. I, I don't. I, I mean, okay. So it's the guy that recruited most of those years was the guy that's there now. Uh, the 2017 recruiting class had Robert Hainsey, Aaron Banks, and Josh Lug. I don't. I don't think we can blame that on recruiting. To me, it, it you know it's talked about. There's been a lot of fantastic years. I would say I would encourage you to kind of read some of the things we've put on the Irish Breakdown message board about that, uh, that we, we, we addressed a while here. I don't really care to get into that, but I don't think the offensive lines were that good 
in 2018. He he did he he was a walk on. He was a walk on at Marshall. Right. And 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 you know I I I can't really say that like that sounds that sounds disrespectful. Like I don't like that term. And you know who you know who called me out on that? Quentin Nelson. True story. I said something about Zeke Carell and I meant it as a compliment. I said something on on Twitter about I thought Zeke Carell looked like a walk-on, but he was playing like really well. And I was trying to compliment how well he was playing for a smaller guy. And Q DM'd me and was like, that's a disrespectful. He's like, you know, I expect better from you. That's a dis and called me out on it, right? It's a disrespectful comment. He's this is when Q was in the NFL, right? No, yes. This is yeah. he had left Notre Dame. Yeah. And 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 because it was I think it was during Zeke's freshman or sophomore year, like freshman year. And he was like, I expect better from you. And those walk-ons work their butts off. And I was like, you know, I didn't mean it like that, which he understood. But I, it, it kind of hit me like, you know, he's kind of right. Like, it's like you use walk-on as a pejorative. Correct. And so I'm, I'm hesitant to do that. But I, I understand the point that Mike is making. It's he a doesn't great story, look, by the way. Like, oh, it was, it was awesome. It's a great story. And it, it doesn't, he doesn't look like a, a guy you'd think would be recruited and on scholarship at Notre Dame. Agreed. And, and, and that's why he wasn't. And and that was kind of things we had said this summer about it. It, it. it it's he's not, you know. That's why I said I would have rather seen them develop Dirks and develop. Yeah, he doesn't Rocco. fit the physical prototype of what Notre Dame generally recruits and what Is they run fair? and what yeah. they run yes. and the things they run. And and I hate coming down on the kid because everything I've heard about him is he works his butt off and all that, and he's you know seems like a great kid and all that. He's just not a good football player. So, you know, the, 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 and I don't think they were a real well-coached offensive line in 2018. And, and we've talked about the reason that that started being well is when a current player started taking over the film sessions with the, the, the team. So I, I just – this the things that we're seeing this year have been an issue for a while. They just don't have as much talent as they had last year to mask it. And now you don't have Chris Watt and Harry Eastan coaching up those kids because Harry Eastan was always involved with the players he recruited. He right. made a commitment to them, and even though he left – once he got out of the NFL, you know, he 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 stuck to his commitment. So uh, that was part of it, too. Here's the last one, Vince. Texas, Kansas. <sighs> Look, Steve Sarkeesian is not in trouble getting fired. But do you think he can recover from this? Well, somebody in the chat said something along the lines of in the postgame press conference. He said, I I don't think some of the players are listening to me or something along those no, lines. No, what happened? They asked him, "Do you think the players have stopped listening to you?" Okay. He said, "You'd have to ask them that." Oh, okay. All right, and that's people not are as making that. As... I actually think that was a smart thing to say. Yeah, that's actually not as bad as what I yeah. I, I yeah. what I gleaned uh, yeah. off of that. But, he basically, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Look, <laughs> I know it's your first year. I know that you are changing things, and you're you're in you know putting in all your stuff and your culture and you're this and you're that. And so, you know, depending on what happens next year, I think it could potentially be explained away. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, this is a tough hill to climb because mm -hmm. you're going to have to deal with this during the off season. And you're going to have to deal with it on the recruiting trail, because why would anybody that's recruiting against Texas not use that to their advantage? You know what I mean? Like it's, it does. It certainly doesn't help you in any way, and so it's going to be tough to overcome. Plain mm -hmm. and simple. Plain and simple. So could he? Yeah, he could. They can go out there and win ten games next year, and then everybody's going to be talking. Yeah. About, they're going to forget about you know them losing to to Kansas. They will. Um, but it, it's still going to be tough to overcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
And and Joseph Salvatore said this. I've heard that Sark's Alabama ways of coming to the Texas program and the players there don't like it. Those are Herman's guys. He'll be fine, but needs to create his own culture there. But see, this is the problem, Joseph. I agree with you completely, but here's the problem. At a place like Texas with boosters that expect you to, to look like Alabama right away, the concern, and when I talk about not recovering from it, does the does the culture become so toxic from an outside standpoint that you're never given the opportunity because you start hearing these rumblings about how they don't want them and this, you know, coming from the boosters, meaning the school doesn't support them, the, the decision makers don't support them, so he loses his authority and power. That's my concern because if I'm Steve Sarkeesian, I'm taking I'm taking because there's no I don't think there's a limit on how many transfers you can take, right? I'm transfer so. Portland the heck out of my roster because yeah. you because here's what happened. Mike Norvell did not do enough of that his first two years. And because they're still in, in, in I thought it'd be better this year, but yeah. there's still too many of those guys around. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to cut bait. You've got to sign as many dudes as you can legally sign in this upcoming recruiting class. Even if some of them are three-star kids that, you know, and I'm using the word three-star, like literally like these kids are, are actually three-star players, mm-hmm. but they're try-hard kids that can play special teams. They're going to bring the right culture and mentality. And you got to counter them with the other guys. And and to me, that is something that they're going to have to do because I'm concerned that if they don't give him time to change, because the, the hardest thing to do as a football coach, it's not to do what Charlie Weiss did, which is you have a good culture. You have good kids that have been coached. You just got to steer them in the right direction. Right. You is stepping into a toxic culture. Brian Kelly stepped into a toxic culture when he replaced Charlie Weiss. I don't think Charlie Weiss stepped into a toxic culture with Ty. Ty was a bad football coach. I don't think Ty created a toxic culture. I agree I think with the that. players respected Ty. No, I agree with he that. He just was a Absolutely. bad coach. Yeah. So Charlie stepped into a different situation. Charlie's a, left a toxic culture because of the coaches he hired. Tanuta, Corwin Brown. I mean, there was a lot of crazy stuff that went on under under Charlie's tenure. He has Brian Polian on staff, and he's constantly demeaning him and undermining him in front of the play. I mean, there was so much stuff going on under Ty or under Charlie that Brian Kelly inherited a toxic culture. And that's why I defended Brian Kelly when he said, my guys versus Charlie guys. I understood what he was saying, and he was spot on. Mm-hmm. Right now, a lot of people in the media spun that into an anti-Brian Kelly thing, which I remember when I got home and started hearing about how people responded, I was a little surprised that, like, that, that, that people were spinning it that way. But – that the problem is, uh, her, he's stepping into a toxic situation, Vince, and I don't know if they're going to give him the time to change it. Because in order to change it, you've got to get, ri- I mean, just completely get rid of a bunch of dudes, and hopefully get a bunch of transfers. And you know, you need to spread the word to every high school coach in the country. If you have a Texas kid that is somewhere else, and he's a hard worker, and he's this, and he's out, you tell him we're open for business. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what you got to do. Because until the culture changes, because there's a lot of soft dudes at Texas. And you want to know why Texas keeps losing games and losing games late? They have a soft culture. And it is a toxic culture. And until he can just – come, he's got to completely overhaul that whole thing, man. He And he's got to say, look, you're a senior. I'm bringing in this freshman. I'm just telling you right now, he's starting over you. Because you, you mm-hmm. know that, hey, you're not working. You're not – you got a crappy attitude. You're not starting next year. Now, you can stay – but you're not you're not starting for me next year. And what's that guy going to do? He's going to leave. Right. Fine. Which is what you Good. want him to do anyway. It's what you want him to do. Yeah, exactly. And he's going to have to do that. And right. and that may mean he's short on numbers for a year or two. That's okay. Recruit your type of kids. Bring in grad right. transfers or no more transfers going to fit what you want to do. You know what I mean? And 
look, man. And look, you don't think Nick Saban's going to try to say, hey, look, you know, I got this backup kid who's not going to play. I'd like to free it up for this five-star recruit. Why don't you go play over at Texas? You know what I mean? Come on in. That's right. Here's That's the right. Here, yeah. Here's the burnt orange carpet on the way in. Yeah, come yeah. on in. Yeah, it's a it's a rough spot. Do you are, do you got to take offense or you got time for a little bit more? Yeah, the bell's gonna ring here in a second. But somebody asked if uh, Jack Cohn has another year of eligibility. He does not. So I have I have no. We've yeah. talked about this before. Yeah, it's been a while. Right. I asked someone at Notre Dame. I finally got someone at Notre Dame to give me point blank range uh, answer, and they said no. So <laughs> okay. Jack Cohn played three years at Wisconsin. Last year he did not play what would have been a senior year. He had a he so basically he could have got a medical to play this year. Right. You can't take a medical and a COVID year in the same year. You can only get one. So like that one year of COVID and medical does not count as two extra years. Interesting. That's where the so like had he redshirted as a sophomore, right, and then had the COVID year. This year would have been his medical, and then next year could have been his COVID. But his medical and his COVID both happened the same year because he did not redshirt as a freshman. He played five games as a true freshman. So that's gotcha. why that's why uh, Jack Cohn is not eligible to return next year. Like it can't. There's no appeal. There's no nothing. He's played his four years. He's got his medical and all that in the same year. He can't come back. That's what we were told flat out from people in Notre Dame. And so that now that's been something that's been a back and forth. And that's the whole uncertainty of this whole COVID thing. The whole COVID eligibility thing is kind of been a little screwy. Not everybody yeah. understands it. Right. So I think there was some, some uncertainty at first with some that thought he, he could maybe have an extra year, but you can't, you can't get two right. years out of one is basically right. how it goes. And, and I believe the, there was this year, there was uh you could have more than 85 scholarships. And I believe right. that goes back to 85 Correct. for next. Now there season. is some talk that they may slowly work that back, okay. As but I don't to think just... the NCAA is going to end up doing that. Okay. Because there's a lot of schools that don't want that because they can't afford the five X. I mean, there's a lot of lower right. level schools, not power five schools, but there's a lot of lower level schools that are still financially struggling. Cause what happened is a lot of colleges were living outside their means. Oh yeah. They were spending more than they were. And they were relying on, you know, all these different things and, you know, for sports to, to survive. And then when sports gets taken away and revenue gets taken away from sports, you're, you're living outside your means because what's yes. happening for all these academics who don't like athletics, the reality is your 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 salary is because of the football team. Oh, no question. Because if like if these schools had to pay based off what the school was making, they'd have to be charging so much money to get these kids into school. It's right. the athletics programs of these places that allow you to have the things that you have in a lot of instances. No question. And so when that when that sports money went away, people realized, wow, uh, that's pretty important to our to our bottom line. Right. And so a lot of schools can't afford to pay for five, 10 extra kids. And, and so that makes it a little bit unique, but it, it's, it's going to see how some of these teams are going to go from super veteran this year to She's super young. Next young. Year. <laughs> it's going like to be Toledo really, for that matter yeah. for that as an example. It's got like a lot of yeah. six, fifth and six year guys. Right. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that stuff plays oh, out. So. Now I got to go to class. So, so All that's right. it, man. So we'll, everybody, we'll maybe, we may chat a little bit more about this tomorrow, but a uh, lot of, lot of wild games this weekend. We'll definitely have we'll have our, our show tomorrow night tomorrow Tuesday or tomorrow Tuesday twelve thirty we'll have our normal uh, preview of Notre Dame's offense against Georgia Tech's defense and then tomorrow night we will have a our, our about twenty minutes after the start of the college football playoff rankings we will be on explaining where Notre Dame is and give our thoughts on that and then a reminder that Wednesday we are doing a there you go right there we're doing a Thanksgiving drive 
So essentially what we're doing on Thursday is uh, any any super chat you give. Now, we'll talk football during Wednesday, right? It'll be our normal mailbag, but we're going to ask for super chats. And, and then we're also, my wife is in the process. We, we I'm pretty confident we're going to have this up. If you either want to give anonymous, anonymously or you don't want to leave a super chat because you want all the money to go, you can do that, and we'll have a we'll have a, a link for that where you a page for that where you can just donate either PayPal or Venmo or a credit card. Uh, what I don't know is if we're going to be able to provide you tax information for it to be a write off. It may just be hey, I'm just I'm just giving to give, right? But all the money that we raise on the donations, all the money that we raise on super chats is going to go towards. We're going to go. I've already talked to several shelters and charities that have specific food needs, like a local charity that we're going to be working with. Uh, they have they need turkeys because turkeys are so much more expensive this year. It's harder for them to go out there, and they only had like one, and they need a lot more. So we've already told them, hey, we're going to buy some turkeys for you. Don't worry about it. We're going to take care of it. Uh, so we're going to raise money, and so we're going to take the money we get. We're going to take a shot of it and show everyone on Twitter and on our message board the the number that you that Google tells us we made. We're going to take the number. I'll be able to look at my account. We'll take photos of it because it's going to all be about transparency. Vince and I are going to go do some Thanksgiving shopping. Uh, we're going to buy all the the, the, the all the, the stuff that they need. We're going to buy all the food that they need. And if we raise more than, than we need, then what we're going to do too is some of the shelters have said, hey, if you're able to, if you have money left over, we could use clothes. We could use socks. We could use you know gloves, hats, because we're getting into the cold season. And those are always the big, even more than food, a lot of times is, you know, for ho- the homeless community is, you know, hats, gloves, sweatshirts, pants, socks, underwear, all that kind of stuff. So we'll buy the food that they need. We want to make sure that we're we're not just buying stuff to stick on the stores. That's what they're saying. They they have food needs. But once we've met those food needs, if we have money left over, then, you know, they would like us to be able to buy some other things that they need. So we're going to we're going to do that as best we can. And uh, I'm excited about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, we've been very blessed at Irish Breakdown in the last year. Uh, we've been blessed with a platform to have fun and raise money and make money and pay our bills. And it's our turn to use that platform to help others. And that's what we want to do. So we're going to help the Elkhart community. We're going to help the South Bend community. We're going to help as many as we can. So that's what we're doing on um, on, on Wednesday. And uh, Matt D said, y'all, you, you should have Angela film you and Vince shopping and delivering it and post it on YouTube, fun videos. We may do something like that, Matt. The reason that I'm hesitant to do that is because I feel like that sort of looks like we're a look at us. Hey, look at us. Look at this great thing we're doing uh, when you deliver it. And, you know, it just it just seems to me kind of like a promotion, self-promotion. And that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to help people. We have to promote the event. Otherwise, people won't know what we're doing. But we'll see. We'll see about that. I, I want to take photos of the fact that show like here's the receipt that shows we spent the money. Right. And And that's something that I'm willing to do. But, uh, you know, I don't want to make the shopping and the other things sort of a a, a show because then it kind of, you know, kind of looks like it's it's being done for the wrong reasons. So that's just my concern. So anyway, uh, that's what we're going to be doing. So that'll be Wednesday. But again, we'll be talking football. We're going to talk football, but it's about you giving super chats and helping us out and donating. And then we'll talk football from that. and. Uh, It'll be a lot of fun. So that's going to be this Wednesday, November 17th is when we will do that. So I look forward to everybody being on there. And before you leave, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell if you have not already done so. 
And if you're listening to be a podcast, give us a five-star review. Sign up for the message boards. We've had a great couple weeks of signups, a lot of good conversation, and uh, want to get more people involved. And uh, we're going to have I'm, – I'm hoping my wife's finishing it up now, but I'm hoping to post the job proposal for the new recruiting person. I'm hoping to get that started here real soon because I want to have somebody on uh, – I'd like to have somebody hired by January 1st. We'll see if we can do something sooner or later. I want to make sure it's the right hire, not just to get somebody. But we got to get that out, so hopefully that will come up too. So a lot going on this week. It's going to be a real fun, busy week. Of course, Thanksgiving's next week, so got a lot going on. But I hope to see all of you around. Uh, So Vince is gone. Before Vince, I'm Brian. Have a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. (laughs)